0: Hello, my name is Peter Cinnamon and you're listening to a podcast which is all about the Irish League. After conceding six goals in two games across five days, Cliftonville's dreams of a title push look to be all but over. We try to analyse what went wrong for the North Belfast side at this pivotal stage of the season, ponder if the Reds falling away could now ignite a resurgence for Linfield, or Lauren on just that merciless hot streak that doesn't look like cooling down anytime soon before that Gibson Cup is nestled back at Inver Park. We're going to share the latest on the now completed takeover at Coleraine. review the upcoming quarterfinals of the Irish Cup to top off what should be another appetising weekly edition of Kicking Match. Every point is vital at this stage of the season now folks, hopefully that means... Every podcast is too. Thank you very much for joining me this time round as the title race went through another riveting intersection over the weekend. I'm here to review it all as well as cover some of the latest news. Metaphorically, put your hands together for the sports editor of the Coleraine Chronicle. It's Damian Mullen.
1: Peter, how are we? <laughs>
0: I'm doing all right, doing all right. Busy week and you're a part of the world from a reporting point of view, from a following the club point of view, from a doing your own and podcast point of view?
1: Most weeks are busy, Peter, as you as you probably well know yourself. But then I guess it's not every week that you, you get a, a new owner of, a, of your football club, so to speak. Uh, and the two guys are, I suppose, the, the, the front man, if you like, or the two main guys behind Bandsider Holdings. Uh, that's the new title of the new owners of Korean Football Club. Yeah, they've been doing the rounds, uh, Ronald McGregor Smith and Patrick Mitchell, uh, to give them their, their proper names. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was the, the Friday before Korean hosted Linfield, obviously, uh, that they, the story broke that day. And we were fortunate enough to, to meet them on the Friday afternoon and we had a good sit down chat with them, uh, both for an hour. And then the the official confirmation came around tea time. The two guys were on BBC Newsline. And then just to cap the day, Korean go out and beat Linfield 3-0. And I can tell you, nobody in the ground seen that coming, whether it was Linfield, Korean, or Neutral. Nobody seen that result coming. But I have to say, the two aforementioned guys... You talk about wide smiles at the end of the match. They were um, <clears throat> in the tunnel area after the game, uh, and as somebody, you know, some quick witted wag said to them, uh, "This owning a football club's easy, isn't it?" So, I think y- you could tell by you know and the joy that they had. Um, Peter was genuine. Uh, they're both from Korean originally. I know they have been living and working in London for a lot of years, but obviously they're, they're from Korean, And it didn't take much to uh, bring that Korean out in them and, and beating 3-0 at, uh, beating Linfield 3-0 at the showgrounds certainly does that.
0: This being confirmed, it really settles what has been a couple of months of uncertainty for the club. Totally. while people
1: like to admit it, and, and we have asked Dorn currently before uh, on a number of occasions, <laughs> And we have titled him because, obviously, it's um it's well known that on the pitch, Koreans' form has not been great this season by by their standards. They've um, slipped to a, a number of what you might call shock defeats, you know, against clubs that maybe they would have been expected to beat or have done in previous years. And you know, we have asked Dorn repetitively after games, you know, speculation off the field about the the takeover over of the club has that affected performances on the pitch? Has it seeped down into the players' minds and the managers' mind? And to be fair to Oren, he always said, and and he said straight back, he says, no, that's not the case. You know, as players, as manager, our job is to go out, um, and to try to just perform on the pitch and, and park that when you go out. But I, I do think, Peter, there there has been a a sort of an effect, if you like, because that uncertainty that you speak about has been in the background for six months, probably now. And nobody really seems to know what has been going on. And to be fair, the two guys that have taken over the club, we asked them about that on the Friday and they apologised and said that really they could not do anything about it. They didn't want to be... (sighs) Going a run in commentary, if you like, because there is legalities involved and there's finance involved. So they couldn't just keep people up to speed as to what was happening in public while the work was going on in private. So they they did apologise. But I think what you said there is very apt. It sort of brings all that um, speculation, uncertainty to an end. The deal has been done and it almost... It's like a full stop at the end of that and it gives everybody now the opportunity just to move forward together, knowing what the future holds so everybody can regroup and move forward. And I think it's no coincidence that since the, the, the deal was made public, uh Coraine beat Linfield 3-0 and then followed that up with a 2-0 away at Newry City on Saturday. So I don't think the two are totally unconnected, Peter.
0: Amongst the fan base, not only has the story rumbled on, but there's then been apparent twists and teals. if you look into some of the reporting around it. Right now, like the, the, the season's wrapping up. It's about getting your league position solidified. For the fans right now, do these owners now have a lot to prove to them? Or, or are they now just happy that they've got this nailed down, and that regardless of what happens they need investment in this club no matter what it's going to be if it is to push on if it is to keep up and are they more just looking forward to the future or do they have questions that they're going to have to answer?
1: Um, It's a good question but my initial feeling is that the the takeover and the takeover by the, the, the people that have come in has been largely welcomed by the fan base and I, I suppose It's been much discussed, so it's got to the point where people are like, it's not out of the blue, it's not a shock, it has been on the cards, and I think people now just want to sort of get on with what happens next. The club previously was in the hands of the Friends of Corey, and, and they famously sort of took ownership of the club when the club nearly went extinct back in the past, so the Friends had to give their consent for the club to change ownership, which they did by quite a a sizable majority by all accounts. So the fan base largely, from what I can gather, is behind the uh, the takeover, the new ownership. And I think, Peter, when you strip it all back, it's like what you said there. It's almost that the Irish League is now at a point where fans those guys that stand on the terraces and, and follow the club, they ain't stupid. And they kind of know where the Irish league is at the moment. They know where Korean is at the moment. And if Korean don't get some form of investment, they do see the possibility that the club is going to stagnate or worse, go backwards. It's... Larne have money, Clint uh, Linfield, Carrick Rangers now. There are probably other clubs as we sit here that are probably quietly, privately talking to people. And the feeling among supporters that I get is that it's almost, it's inevitable that you have to somehow garner some kind of new finance to try to compete, if you want, with the likes of Alarn, who, let's face it, um, are the benchmark for all other clubs in the Irish League, as far as I can
0: see. I appreciate you taking the time to answer some of those questions. If you want to go a bit more in depth and uh, hear uh, these new owners talk about their plans for the club, of course, I've got to plug this Corian podcast.
1: That's correct. We um, we had the guys on. They very kindly give us a little bit of their time. I think they were both back in London and um, when we spoke to them on the podcast. It's it's currently out in uh, podcast land. If is that such a is that such a thing? Podcast land is that a word? It's out there at the moment. And I have to say, um, the two guys are genuinely very approachable guys. You know, they're, uh, as I said, they, they grew up, went to school in Korean, went to Korean INST, Irish Society Primary School, and then Korean INST left, uh, went to university in England, settled in London. One was a banker, one was a solicitor. And they are the genuine guys, and they do seem to have the best interests, not only of the club. Uh, Peter at heart, but also the local community, and I think that's a very important aspect in this whole takeover ownership. It's not just like a some randomer has just landed and put money into the club and decided, oh, this is a plaything for me, and just going to put money in, and if I get fed up, I can leave it again. These guys have their roots in the North Coast community. They still have homes here, the family here, the friends here that go to the matches. And from my conversations with them, what came across quite clearly was they don't envisage like, what you might call a quick fix. They're not coming in and going to just throw money at the team and give Warren carte blanche just to go and buy whoever, what players they want at whatever price. That's not, I think, the way that they foresee things. They, they said on a number of times, I spoke to them about sustainability about building foundations. And I think that probably encourages supporters too, because we all support clubs, whether it's Irish League or whether it's across in England or wherever. And we all are wary of new owners coming in. You know, you do get that fear that they're just going to throw money at the thing and if it doesn't work, they're just going to disappear as quickly as the game. They sort of seem set for the long haul, talking about, Sustainability of the club, as I said to you. Um, and what was also notable as well, Peter, was that while these two guys are in the club at the moment, they did say on a number of occasions that they probably will be looking and drawing in further investors as we progress so it's maybe, again, similar to the, the Kenny Bruce Larn project, if you like, if I can use that word, where Kenny Bruce came into the Larn, um, pumped a lot of his own money in. And then just, I think just at the weekend there, we've seen Larn getting a new investor coming in as well. And I think that seems to be the model that the, these guys um, are looking at as well. Yes. They're the initial investors, but I think as well they are looking at investors coming in from people that they know in London and also maybe in the United States as well.
0: Just while we're here, we'll talk about the game at the weekend after uh, demolishing uh, Linfield. Let's just, just say it to be triumphant for yourself uh, the week before. I-, I did think and go, this could be a typical uh, banana skin game, but Corian were able to win out against Newry, uh for their first back-to-back victories in the league since October. McHenry scored a spectacular goal then Shevlin was able to make it 2-0. Uh, nice to win on the bounce isn't it? It is.
1: I guess it was a real acid test of, of where the players are like you say and Oren admitted it in his post-match press conference as well. He goes, it's very easy getting up to play Linfield at home on a Friday night under lights in front of the BBC cameras anybody can do that. You and I Peter, we could get up for a game like that, right? It's a whole different ball game, literally. Going away to Newry City on a Saturday. So the scenario was there that if you were a Korean player, you know, it's it's almost difficult then to get up for that game against the Newry. And to their credit, they did what they had to do. Connor McKendry, as you say, he got them off to a great start, scoring after six minutes. And I think that was the key to it. Was a settler. I just let them get their foot into the game. Uh Matthew Shevlin as you say second goal in successive games headed them 2-0. They uh had the luxury of missing a penalty. Jamie McGonagall seen his penalty
0: save. I'm sure you thought when when that happened you're like, oh no, this is this is where it starts. <laughs>
1: that was all part of the plan, Peter. <laughs> part of the plan. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you're right. You know, you you, you do and it's then little doubts, but Corian had other chances to 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 score as well, and the second half, to be fair, was quite a non-event. There was there was very few chances involved. But one thing I have to say, and and I thought, you know, Nuri, while they lost, and, and that's they're they're obviously at the, the wrong end of the table, and they are struggling, but they did they did play well, and I, I was saying to a few people afterwards that if for example, they had somebody up the top end of the field with a real but a little bit of quality, I think they would probably have maybe have given Korean more of a game and and maybe would um have a chance against other teams. But I just think that little bit of lack of quality, even in the top third, and maybe even in the final third, at the bag at the other end as well is going to cost them. And I guess that's what happens when you're at the foot of the table. If you have good players, traditionally they tend to go to other clubs.
0: It doesn't stick at the top of the pitch for Nuri, does it? And then that means that their attacks can often feel a bit uh, scattery. And then on top of that, you can just see the teams are able to run through them. They're a team lacking in confidence. One of the things that they were able to build on and get those points early in the season. And I mean, it was you know early last season. That they had this real togetherness and fight, and I think they've lost a bit of that confidence and, and zip, and that's the way it's played out for the majority of this season. And you've you've always thought that at some point it's going to click, at some point they're they're going to get these results. But you know you look at the table and you see the amount they've conceded. It's obviously a part of the backline problem, but I think it's a whole team issue. It's it's mistake riddled and games are truly running out now and and it's them now obsessed with balamina's results and you felt maybe over the past few weeks be at the irish cup or maybe just being able to catch one of the bigger boys not being on their game down at the show showgrounds but every single time that that could have come up it, it, it just hasn't happened for them and uh if it does end up that they are not in this league next season unfortunately the signs have been there from very very early on
1: it's 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 been a, it's been a long hard struggle for them and, and obviously the change of manager halfway through the uh, season as well uh that doesn't help but it, it was inter- it was interesting talking to obviously Barry Gray after the game as well and um, was asking him uh, his thoughts and stuff and, and you mentioned Balamina and it, it, it's crazy when you look at the table I think Nuri are only maybe five points behind Balamina
0: In many ways they are lucky that Balamina have been so poor this year as well because there's a situation where you just fire on six more points on the Balamina and I mean Nuri are out of it Yeah <laughs> And that's that's even with the Dundella situation. That's the big...
1: Yeah, well, that's a big, big point there because that will give the two bottom clubs in the Premiership that little bit of extra extra hope as well. But, yeah, as I said, I was interviewing Barry Barry Gray after the game and I asked him, you know, do you still believe that you can get out of trouble? Because... All the signs would point to the fact that they're they're cut adrift at the bottom of the table and that they're effectively gone. But he goes 100%. He believes that they can still escape. And he goes five points is absolutely nothing. Uh, And he made a good point. He says, especially because of the split games. And he knows that from his experience previously uh, with Warren Point. And he said something along the lines that they want to just try and get the gap a little bit closer to Balamina before the split comes. And then it says after that, it's like every team for themselves. You can see what he's trying. And he did say that he was going to try and try new things before those games at the split come. And he effectively throwing all these eggs in the one basket post-split, hoping that the gap between them and balamina will be so narrow that they play balamina for example. So that's like a six-pointer. There's maybe one or two other games he can target maybe a point, three points at. And he is hoping that he's still within touching distance of Palomina. And if they got one or two results, that might be enough to save them, particularly in light of what you're saying about Dundell's situation as well.
0: With uh, Nuri not having uh, another great week there, let's go to the big news of the week and a team who just went from the highest highs to the lowest lows we weren't able to cover it on last week's podcast it has been uh, an awful week for Cliftonville they went into that game against Linfield on Tuesday probably the biggest game of the season so far all the eyeballs on it Linfield were limping their way into that game they weren't able to score many goals Cliftonville were free scoring and I mean I thought Linfield did an absolute number on Cliftonville. They stopped everything that they did. They were able to put a cap on it. They were able to play it at the pace. That they wanted to play at. And all they needed. All they were able to work for. Was that one little mistake. Cliftonville gifted that to them. And they get the lead. And they were able to suffocate. Cliftonville as they panicked. They got worried about it. They lost their composure completely. And in the end. At 3-0... It wasn't like an amazing performance from Linfield in the sense that they were all over Cliftonville, but I mean they were efficient at the right moments. So they scored two goals from corners. Ethan McGee, what a player! That's a real coming out performance for him. And you know, there's two sides of this. It's it's Linfield returning, rising, saying we aren't out of this yet, and unfortunately for Cliftonville, they come out of this week, and we've got another result to talk about looking naive, looking like they're out of gas, and uh, they have somewhat bottled it now. It's,
1: uh,
0: isn't that funny? Just
1: football. That's why we all love it so much, because as you say, Linfield were well and truly beaten out the gate at the showgrounds on the Friday. Uh, they had one point out of nine. Possible points at that time On that Friday night Ag-
0: Against the team who Cliftonville had thumped the mm-hmm. weekend before
1: Correct correct. So Linfield then go to solitude All the smart money would be on Cliftonville Putting a further nail in Linfield's coffin But it didn't work And I watched that game I think as well And oh, As you say <laughs> Linfield just did a job on them And by the end of it Cliftonville look they made the Cliffordville look like a very, very ordinary team, which they are not, by any stretch of imagination, because having watched Korean play them a number of times this year, like we make them look good. Let's let's be honest, any of the games that we've played. But um oh, Linfield were just that was Peak Linfield. Peak Linfield. I mean, Chris Shades was superb. Jamie Mulgrew was just Jamie Milgru that we all know. And I thought one player I really thought had a great game was Matthew Fitzpatrick up front. I just thought, like you talked about, you know, Nuri earlier about nothing sticking. And I thought the complete opposite was with like Fitzpatrick. Everything went up to him and it stuck and he was able to bring players into play. And he just, he was just, he led the line superbly and little thing took the chances. And by the end of it, as you say, Clivenville, a spent force, and then I'm sure you're probably going to bring it up a couple of days later. They go down to another defeat. Which, looking at the table now, yes, I know there's games to come, but you really look at it, and you would think it's nearly like a two-horse race now.
0: In both those games, Cliftonville looked like they lost. Less, less or so in the Ungannon game, they lost all their. Flare all their focus and they looked like they looked a bit skittish like they were rushing to try and get the goal straight away even even early on in the game and what Linfield were able to do at solitude was restrict Cliftonville to these long balls and I'm sure many Red fans are saying this usually works ball from deep He's able to pick it out of the sky, and then one on one, he's happy to take on any player in in this league. But again, Linfield were just winning those one on one battles, and absolutely Shields was a rock at the back for them, and that's a huge blow now that Linfield have him out for the rest of the season. He came off with a uh, his knee looking a color that it really shouldn't look like. It was violet, you know. So he he's been a real soldier for them in there, and. Uh, They had the chance to shake it off and and go again at Dungannon and I mean you talk about a side that has been a spoke in the wheel for all three of these title chasing sides. They've they've done a number on every single one of them and it was Cliftonville's turn on Saturday 3-1. They take an early lead from a poor goal. Uh, nothing is working for Cliftonville, they're just they're taking pot shots when they should have kept the ball, they're not getting the shots on target. They eventually are gifted an equaliser, and you're thinking, here we go, they're going to go through the gears, pressure, 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 get the goal, and get out of here. And uh, Dungannon just had no fear, and threw all these players forward, and uh, unfortunately now, I think we've seen this... Uh, Cliftonville backline has been bending in recent weeks and over the past seven days they have broken and I think many people will point to losing a player like Turner, trying to fit others in. How has losing Chris Gallagher, has that maybe destabilised them too much in these big games right now as, as he's playing great for Lawrence? So it's it's just so disappointing for, for Cliftonville because, I mean, there is a six-point swing that they could be looking at and they think they've got momentum with Larn twice on their hit list, but now they've got it all to do? <laughs>
1: they have. I'm looking at the table like and, and there's six points behind Larn. And Larn have lost one league game all season. And, you know, the way that Larn are set up, the way that Larn play, given that, the experience of winning the league last year, what it's done for them. You don't see Lauren throwing away too many points. Um on the back of that, you really got to think that Clivenville have too much to do. And it's 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 just it's a strange one. I just thought they looked like they didn't have the belief. They looked a little bit rudderless or a little bit not like what you normally think a Clivenville team looks like. And I'm just thinking I'm just wondering have felt the pressure? And it's a big ask because they have been up there all year, but they're up against, if you like, two full-time outfits. And I'm just wondering, have, when it gets to this latter stage of the season, does that full-time, does that count for something? That's what I wonder.
0: I think just in the way they've played, composure's been the problem, because even when they make that mistake in the second half, because they came out in the second half against Limfield, and they had got a talking to and I'm sure what they were told to go and do was get your foot on this ball start playing your passes to each other on the ground and let's start like running this team out here and they were attempting to, to build themselves up to that and then that goal just took all the puff out of them and they looked slightly panicked as if oh my goodness we only have 40 minutes to go here and we need to score two goals and that play completely in the Limfield's hands because they were happy to see the game out at that point even with with the got 40 minutes to go uh, you know they were more comfortable on the ball and uh, there was just tiny mistakes here and there and you can see that in that performance against Dungannon that it was they just weren't able to play their style of football and maybe it's maybe it's some sort of trauma from the past few years because a, a lot of this Nucleus of this team. Has been in this position before. Um, I'm thinking of particularly. Two seasons ago. Where they ran them so close. And perhaps until they. Are able to do this. Across the season. They'll always have this panic. They'll always have this worry. And look there's individual errors. Throughout both games. But when you are. Vying for the title. You almost need to be. Perfect every week. Especially when you are playing with this behemoth that is this Lawrence side you know what else am I going to say about them this week another week where they win out another week where they just have this swagger about them this intensity this they look like they're playing the game at a click faster than everybody else this is a Glenn team with a lot of Full-time professionals, they go in on Friday night. Yes, it's a hard place to go. Glen Torn should have been a potential wobbler for them. Or at least it, it, it should be for those other teams if they were to falter. Larne. But I mean, Lauren just swiped them away like they have pretty much every other team. And I mean, they are galloping to this title right now. And I think that's why we maybe overhype every time a Linfield or a Cliftonville Step up, because I mean, Lauren are simply not doing that.
1: They are like, as you say, they do look almost—I wouldn't say unstoppable. Like, but when you look at the 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 bare stats there again, I'm just looking at the table in front of me here, and they've lost one league game all season in in thirty games, and they've conceded
0: sixteen goals. I think there were stats there about last season as well. It's like was in the teens almost. It's it's under forty goals across two years and we all know last year defense was their strength but it's the strength again. Ryan and bonus are rapid. Absolutely rapid. They'll punish you six ways to Sunday. It's it's just so uh fascinating to watch and I really feel as though there's a certain inevitability that people are, are feeling with this Lawrence side, especially after getting over the hump last year, which I think all of us thought was going to be key when they do that the same way we've seen with Manchester City I'm not trying to compare them but you know that was a team who were on a similar-ish journey that were not really at the top echelons were, were doing things really really well and once they got that first title they said here we are we belong and it looks as though that is where Lauren are and they're continuing to make improvements and I think I actually think there's probably no doubt that this Lauren team across the past two and a half seasons I think they are making a claim to be one of the best sides of the turn of the century I mean we, we know there's been all these great there's been a number of the David Jeffrey Linfield sides you had that Tommy Breslin Cliftonville side you had uh, the great uh, three titles in, in four years for Crusaders if Lauren don't falter this season they're in that conversation for me
1: well they have to, they have to win the league again this year to be even considered in that conversation in my opinion i just wonder well they may get credit the may will they get the credit for that i mean absolutely not you know I, I, I they may so. get credit but will they get any love for it there's there, apart from Larn supporters i don't ever see much love for the <laughs> Larn team which i'm sure they don't really care about at the end of the day you know they're there just to to win titles. They're there to win cups. You know they're not there to win friends and influence people. Let's be honest about it. But I just whether that's a jealousy thing, whether that's um, to do with the money investment, whatever you want to call it, where, where they've come from to where they are. There's probably a degree of resentment among some football Irish League supporters because of that and jealousy, if you like. I just don't know if they'll get the credit or the love that might go to other teams. Maybe in time, uh, Peter, they will, but, you know, what I think and notice about them, like they won the league last year for the first time, and then what they do and do really well is strengthen from a position of strength, if you know what I mean. They will recruit and add in players that will just enhance and strengthen the team. They just don't go out and, and buy players. They buy players and they go into the team straight away and strengthen the team. And they just continue to get better and better and better, which is ominous for the rest of us.
0: We've talked about this before, how in their recruitment, they their hit rate is enviable. You know, there's Lee Bonus getting his 50th goal for the club, a player who could have been away for big bucks during the summer. We'll see what his uh, future Lauren, will be. They're able to entice an, an Andy Ryan who is one of the best players in the league <laughs> was a massive part of igniting that title charge last year and if you talk to Linfield fans, this is the thing that has them frustrated. They feel as though they didn't bring in the bodies in January um, when they were in this race, they were leading this race and they could see that they were going through a difficult patch when it when it came to injuries. And uh, many fans were saying, let's not let this slip, let's add to this team. And we've said it before, they've, they've had to rely on young squad players like Annette, like Archer. And overall, they've been able to get the results. Now, would those players get another top three, top four sides? Perhaps. But, you know, these, these are not nailed on in contention for one of the best eleven in the league. And Linfield have brought in players, let's be fair. They brought in Fitzpatrick, they, they brought in McGee there. But would this be different for Linfield if they had decided to spend the cash on a Benji McGee? Could he have added something to this team? Were they in for Gallagher? Would Ben Kennedy, what what happened there? Could he have potentially went to Linfield? Not saying that he was in real contention there, but Linfield decided not to go down that route and perhaps he didn't have the funds to do it. There's, There's other reasons for that, but the one thing with Lauren is that they've spent a lot but also they've been recouping a lot through the, through fees and Linfield do sell players a lot I mean there's a amount of times you see players that are playing in England and like they they barely had a second for Linfield but they went through and that all goes back into Linfield's coffers but uh you know I described the way um, what they do with some players is like flipping a house I mean Lauren are able to bring players in and like Farquhar send them off and that all helps the helps pay for all these great players that are at Inver Park?
1: Well, that that's one of the, the, the sort of things that came up in the conversation to go back to where we started with the new investors at Korean and the LARN model. And that was something that they came up, <laughs> brought up in conversation quite a bit. So say, for example, Korean start like a full-time model from, say, next year. Uh, you'll have a number of the current first team that can go full-time, maybe some can't the The owner's thinking is you're going to be an attractive proposition for the best young players in the area, um, bringing them into the academy, bring them into the first team. If they have to do well, sell them across to maybe clubs in England, Scotland, wherever, and that money comes back into the club is reinvested, similar to what you've just described, uh, for Larn. So, that seems to be, but. By- just when you were talking about Linfield, I mean, I, I, I'm I, not au fait with how Linfield work or, or or anything else. But when you mentioned that, I mean, why why would Linfield or why did Linfield not maybe go and strengthen in the way that some of their supporters would wish? Is that a manager's decision? Is it a, a board level that, that that decision is made? I often wonder, and I just... Because it's critical, you know, you're coming down the stretch and maybe one or two players would have helped Linfield in their in their title ambition.
0: I think the suggestions are that anybody who was out there was not at the value that Linfield thought was a good investment. We hear talk of this uh, Falkirk uh, striker that, that the belfast Telegraph are reporting they were chasing. And it seems to be potentially wages were a stumbling block and that, and that and that's one of the reasons i haven't come in i mean i'm the biggest benji mcgee supporter advocate going but i mean i think if i was to ask anybody out there going what do you think the real money value of him is like is it a hundred grand and then this is a player who based on lee bonus and that being two years ago and inflation and all that type of stuff and with the way that's that's worked out is that smart investment i mean look they've they decided that ethan mcgee was a smart investment and i think he's shown already that he is an excellent footballer he has a a mentality about him that just fits into that team so well he can play in, in, in multiple positions and um, I guess they're they're probably saying that we have invested in Fitzpatrick. We've invested elsewhere, and you know these these teams that are full time particular to saying wages are are a lot. Um, I would always be pro player. Go get that bag, fella. But it's not our cash, and and teams have to make this work some way, somehow, and we could be sitting here going. Why on earth did they spend all that money? A.k.a. why Cal worked out last year. He didn't. And I'm sure he wasn't here for a reserve left-backs wage. So it's tough. The people who manage that club are seeing players week in and week out. And he's backed them. And you know what? If they were sitting here six points ahead of Lauren, like they have been at points this season, well, wouldn't we be the silly ones? Look, there's Lauren going out spending money on... Ives going out and getting Chris Gallagher, and you know what we're happy here with the with the players that we've brought in through this club, and and we're potentially going to win the league. So it's easy one way or the other. And as gambles, you know, there's there's no one way of, of doing these things. To reflect on on Linfield's week. I mean, they're able to do what uh, Cliftonville would like to have done at the end of this week. They get their six points, happy days. Um, and they do it fairly methodically. 2-0 Balamina at home. I mean, I'm sure the odds were great in Balamina's side.
1: I think I think I read a, a stat, I think it was maybe Stephen Alexander put it out on Saturday. I think Balamina had one league win in their last 41 visits to Windsor Park or something. So, I mean, I think a, a 2-0 Linfield home win was to be expected there. But it's like what you're saying, Linfield, prior to that week, had had a bad run of games, as I said to you earlier, one point out of nine. Then they win their two subsequent games and they're kind of back in the title race. So I think everything that we said about Clevenville can be taken with a pinch of salt too, because yes, whilst it has been a bad week and and they have dropped six points, wouldn't rule them out entirely just yet because it's like what we said earlier post-split, a lot, of, a lot of things can happen. Um, the top teams are taking points off one another on, on, on every Saturday, every weekend. So if you're still within touch and distance, you have a chance. But Lauren um, don't show any sign of weakness, so um, they still are the favourites. But yeah, Linfield are keeping them honest and, and that's the good thing about it. They're a point behind um, having played a game more. But at least David Healy is, is putting a little bit of pressure in Tehran Lynch and, and his guys.
0: Elsewhere, we're still looking at the middle of this table and who's going to <laughs> snatch sixth in the short term and then snag seventh in the long term. Big game in that race was down at Lakeview Park. I was at this game. Thrilling game. I mean, First 30 minutes was uh, horrible. I mean, if people say that uh, football is poetry, a sonnet that game was not. But then <laughs> Teelan rattles the ball home, then Lockall come to life, head headed in, character side, didn't like that, they're able to score, thanks to a Danny Gibson follow-up from a free kick. Then it's 3-1 a minute into the first half, and I have four goals in the space of whatever it was, maybe 12 minutes of game time. And I thought Lockall were down and out. Uh, they were well beaten physically on the pitch against Crusaders the week before. And uh, they were just being dominated in the midfield. And Dean Smith made a lot of changes. And the rallying cry from Lockall worked. I mean, Alberta Ball did a bit of nice these in the left wing... Knocks into the box. It eventually falls to Andrew Hoy. He wraps it in. And then 90th minute. Nathaniel Ferris. Who was dropped that game. It's fair to say he was not happy about that. <laughs> and uh, he was able to say to the gaffer. Don't do that again. And they could have won it. It doesn't really suit either team. It's nice to see a good old ding dong. Irish League game that we all can watch back on the highlights. But there's. There's two sides of this tale and the main one for me is this is in Carrick's hands the sixth place race I know Rain have awoken and they're saying not so easy but I mean Carrick were three one up Danny Gibson was dominating the play I I, I turned to other people and I said all Carrick need to do right now is hit that ball up get a one-on-one Long ball one-on-one with Gibson and any other defender and he is going to have the strength and the pace to do it again and again. He should have had more than the two goals he had and that it's just two massive points drop for Carrick because Lockall rose from the dead. They literally did uh, halfway through that second half.
1: I can only begin to imagine what Stuart King's post-match interview would have been like. I'm sure Stuart King would have been good value after that game on Saturday because... As you rightly say, Carrick had it in their own hands um, to keep the pressure on Corian. Corian were 2-0 up, nice and easy down in Uri. Um, Johnny McNabb was with me and and at the end of the game shouted over the Lockall had come back from 3-1 to draw 3-3, um, which is a great result from a Corian perspective. But as I say, Stuart King must have just been fit to being tied because that game was in the bag. You don't go and lead 3-1 and then throw it away and just throw away two points in the race for sixth place.
0: And there were seven minutes to go and it could have been a, another memorable afternoon for Lockall. Like We were talking earlier on about how Coleraine haven't been able to string two wins together since October. Like, I, I haven't done the research but I mean have Carrick been able to do that at all this season they are just <laughs> erratic, Um, they have uh, some great players, I mean I I, I was just in awe of, of Danny Gibson and just thought you're one of the best strikers in this league you, you have it all, you're such a difference maker, they should have got the points there but the other side of that for Lockall I've also seen Lockall and I've thought yes you've been able to get some great results, been able to pull it out of the bag but they they were a part of making Kark look good for the first half of that game. They didn't have the same veracity in midfield and the tackle. And I, I, I've seen Dean Smith get, just get so frustrated on the side of the pitch because I think he knows that despite this brilliant season and it will be such a memorable season uh, for everybody who follows that club in County Armagh, they still have a bit of juice, <laughs> left and that they it could have been even better. Yep. They, they could be sitting there sixth and in the driving seat within the next few weeks.
1: They, they could. I mean, that battle of sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, even down to tenth, Corian have just managed to eke out a little gap. I think prior to the weekend, there was maybe a point or two points separating from sixth down to tenth. Corian now sitting on 38, Carrick kicking themselves on 35. Lockall thirty-three, Dungana thirty-one, and Glenavon thirty. So down to sixth, seventh, I think, still is um gets you in the European qualifying uh playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. So an awful lot to play for, but Korean will be more than happy that they've got opened that little bit of a gap given where they were two weeks ago. Um Obviously, no game next weekend, but then, sure, the next league game for Corain is home to Lorne. So, I mean, there's another three points for us.
0: <laughs> well, and, and it was uh, mentioned by one of my guests a couple of weeks ago there, uh, Matthew Brown. Carrick have, quote-unquote, the fixtures on Corian because Corian have mm. Lorne, Crusaders, and then uh, that team that's just ruining everybody's day, Dungana Swift's but for Carrick Rangers, they had Lockall, who, I mean, these two teams have, what is that, 17 goals they've shared in the past three games, but they go uh, and take on Yuri while at home, they then right. go to Balamina and then, well, Linfield at home yeah. isn't particularly easy, but if you're if you're going to lopside it and go two winnable games, one yeah. not so much, Colt Rain are the opposite of that, so it could go down the goal difference, and I mean, there isn't a massive difference between 6th and 7th bar, that one home game that you would sneak in, if, if I remember. But the problem is that if you miss out, you then have got these other five games you've got to go. And then you've got and your 7th isn't guaranteed. So, I mean, it's it's like you, you miss out on, on the little safety ledge and then everything goes away. So, yeah, I mean, Carrick, it's been... If they were able to get 6th, it would be their best season in, in maybe 30 years. You know, genuinely it's a, this is up there with one of the best ever Carrick Rangers teams. Um but again, a bit like local there have been mistakes. Um uh, let, let's let's wrap this up here. Uh Glenavon Cruz, Crusaders are are they back? Um I guess it doesn't really matter cuz they're getting themselves all revved up for this uh European playoff. 2-0 at home. Such a weird goal for Winchester and uh, this boy Ben Kennedy's back, scoring goals for them.
1: Yeah, talented boy, isn't he? You know, he he um, he's a talented boy. I don't know what his personal circumstances are. I mean, I know that they, there was rumours and he was going to leave the club and, and maybe he was on the transfer list or whatever, but certainly... He seems to have got the head down and he's while he's gonna be at the Glen or sorry, at the Cruise, he's gonna continue doing his best and and, and helping them do whatever scoring goals will certainly help in that respect. I think he'll have no shortage of suitors if if he does decide to leave uh, Seaview. But the cruise, I suppose, and and, and Glens to a certain extent too are almost in that sort of Strange position there, really, where they're they're not really challenging for the league title. They can't really probably automatically qualify for Europe. They're not going to drop out the top six, so they're kind of how would you describe? I wouldn't say going through the motions is probably not the right description either. But it's a it must be a difficult one too, isn't it? You know, where you're just mentally knowing that you're sort of almost playing out time to get to the at the end of the season and get to the. European playoffs and I know that that's been the situation uh, for Korean over past seasons and it is a very very strange one mentally where you know that the results in the games etc yes you go out to win but your focus is really on what happens at the end of the regular season if you know what I mean that's when it really counts so uh, strange one for the crews and the guys but there's no doubt they'll want to be finishing the season Uh, in good form and then taking whatever momentum they can into the playoffs and and hopefully get New European place that way.
0: For Glenavon, plenty of players brought Mm. in. In January, there's been a few bright sparks, mainly Dunas, the man for me. I just really like him when he gets on the ball. Can be a bit inconsistent when he has to deliver that one big final ball, but I mean, he can really get you off your seat. But I do think this Glenavon team... Will have a bit more work to do in the summer again. I just don't think this team is just exactly where it needs to be. Yes, a bit more seasoning could help them, but I, I think if they want to get back up into the same place of of Carrick, and look, Carrick where they are and they've invested a lot. You look at that team, Joe Crows floating around, yep. uh, Danny Gibson was... Was it even a risk? But it was an investment there to, to bring him in. So, you know, um G- Avon will, will continue to build that team in the summer. For Crusaders, I'm really going to miss Heatley. Like, even now, if, if it is confirmed he is going, I mean, he is still magic on the ball, breaking away like he's some scampy 22 year old. He he's gonna be a big loss next year for them. Like you cannot replace a player like Paul Heatley, even at thirty seven.
1: Is he thirty seven? Aye, he's
0: that's he's good. Like and he's
1: the kind of player you know. If he's in your team, obviously the cruise fans love him. Opposition fans maybe not so much. But then that's that's a compliment, isn't it? You know, when opposition fans. Don't particularly like a player, you can take that as a little bit of a backhanded compliment. But listen, what he has done over the years in the Irish League, um, uh, he's been outstanding. And and those sort of years there when he was playing with Gavin White and Jordan Owens up front, that front three, I mean, that's as good as probably a front three as you could ever hope to have. Big Jordan, big target man up front, and then them two boys. Flying in from the wings and contributing and scoring hot load of goals, um. So yeah, he'll be missed, and as will Stephen Baxter as well. I mean, big. Um, he's going to be a big loss as well. Um, he's been there ever since I started working and in, in the media around here. Um. So to have a Crusaders team, I suppose, without Stephen Baxter and the dugout and without Paul Heatley up front, yeah. But then nothing, nothing stays the same forever, Peter.
0: Yeah, and I hear you, Crusaders fans. He's thirty six, but he would be thirty seven next year. <laughs> but yeah, big, big changes, as we say here. At Crusaders, we're just got to enjoy one final big tour around the grounds while they still have uh, some of the big hitters.
1: It's like a doing a, like doing
0: a Jurgen club, aren't we? Pretty much, just uh, waving goodbye to everybody else and, and and winding them up along the way. Incredible team. Before we get into our little collection of Irish Cup games, um, just thought I would reference some of the results that I think everybody suddenly has an eye on, and that's in this uh, crazy town that is the championship. I mean, if you were sitting there on Tuesday night and you thought it was a bad night for Cliftonville, ha- have a think for port It who fans uh, who had to watch... Their team get thumped by Newington, you know, after a, a couple of poor results for the Ports. I think they drew two games in a row and then they lose. They were able to get back on track on Saturday. And then, of course, what did Dundella do on Friday night after all that news peters out that their, their ground looks as though it's going to knock them out of any potential promotion chat? They get thumped by Anna. Bangor went out. Uh, scoring plenty of goals, Institute keeping pace. I know everybody's saying this title race of the championship is something else, but it really is something to keep an eye on.
1: I mean, what is it? four, four, Four points, I think, separating the top four teams. As you say, that whole Dundell thing has just, I think it's really focused people on the championship that weren't even remotely interested in the championship before. All of a sudden, a story like that breaks and then everybody has a bit of a, an opinion on it <laughs> whether you're a Dundella supporter or not, I, I, I can't imagine how those players and management of Dundella must be feeling when you get news like that, I mean what that does for motivation one can only imagine um, I don't know I don't know where where that's going to go, as you say Portadown, one of the great enigmas as well, um, they have a squad probably that could uh compete uh, in the Premiership as it is now almost the, the players that they have, Bangor I suppose likewise they they have done a lot of recruitment as well um good manager in place as well and of course Institute um that's going to be nip and tuck all the way um all the way to the finish and I just couldn't call that um Peter I really couldn't possibly put it down given the sort of the weight of, of, of player that they have and the experience that they have, maybe?
0: I think everybody still feels as though Portadown mm. will get themselves together some way, somehow, but that always hasn't been mm. the case. And, and and sometimes if you just have it, your the wind in your sail, that can be the thing that gives you momentum and um, keeps you going between now and the end of the season. I mean, there's still... Nine, ten games each for for those four teams. Institute feel like the outsiders of that four only because they were just, just down in the dumps last year and they're the lowest scores of those teams by a, a fair whack, by at least ten goals, only scored 46. But, I mean, you know, they they were able to bring in a, a couple of uh, tidy wee players in uh, Mikael Kennedy and, and McGinty. And, I mean, that's a... A tough old slog for those other teams going up to the Brandywell, and perhaps if they play up to their ability, they, they they could really give this a go. I mean, it's just going to be who could who can string this along, and at the minute, none of them seem to be doing that because I mean, you look at the the, the form table for all five of these teams, and uh, neither of them have been able to get four wins. It's so it's three out of five for Dundala, three out of five for Banger. Put it down uh, drew two, lose, you know, the same same for Institute. So like weirdly I do think Banger are, are are maybe the team that can do this because we just don't know the way Dundela are gonna react. Look it's a bit a bad result against Anna, but it's not like Dundella didn't have that in them before there beforehand it's a bad result. Porter down get thumped at a Newington side who I think they were able to thump earlier on. So, poor down other the players, but they also have to play a load of games. Bangor have that, what we've seen with Bala Mallard in previous seasons. all this year, they have momentum from the season before, and they have a couple of a, a great wee players in there as well, with MacArthur and Arthurs. So, they could take on anybody. It just, it's almost like who can stick it around, who, who can make the least amount of mistakes. But, um, all four of them, i um, their big problem is they've conceded so many. You know, you look at the top there of Lauren, and they've only conceded, whatever it is, 16 goals. Institute, 33. Pour down 43. 36 for Banger, 43 for Dundella. So, I mean, hot and cold uh, doesn't even uh, get, get us started. So, yeah, it's just the week goes on and some of these teams maybe don't have as much to play for in the... Premiership might just reflect on all the all the fun things that are going down in, in, in Championship land if we're talking about podcast land. But um let, 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 let's talk about the, the Irish Cup this weekend because we really are getting to uh, the thick of it now. And uh, each one of these teams is only one win away from being very close to something special. And we have... Uh, we're talking about the Championship there. I mean, it's Championship versus... Premiership, we have all of our top four big sides against some of the chasing pack here in uh, the Championship. I may as well start on Friday night. We were talking about them it's the spread across the weekend. Portadown hosts Cliftonville. If you based it on their recent league results, you're thinking Portadown's getting biffed. But I mean, they are quite literally playing Cliftonville at the best possible time. And put it on. Who have a massive couple of uh, couple of days here with uh, the Irish Cup, and then the League Cup final the next weekend. The undefeated in cup competition, could we see another shock? Especially that it's in Shamrock Park. Uh, <laughs> do you know what?
1: There's a bit of pressure on Cliftonville for this game now, isn't there? Really is. Given right, given what's happened for them this past couple of games. And then we're talking about the Irish Cup, of course, and there is that whole issue with Cliftonville and the Irish Cup, I haven't won it since '79. Even among Cliftonville supporters, there's almost this fatalism that they just believe that they're not going to go and win the Irish Cup, and that is not a healthy way to be going in to cup games. I just think, yes, on paper, Cliftonville should. It down, given everything that we've just talked about the Championship. It's a Friday night game, though. It's at Shamrock Park. Cliftonville are coming off the back of two bad, bad, demoralising morale-sapping confidence-stripping defeats. That's not a game that Cliftonville want to be going to, Shamrock Park, on a Friday night, under the lights in an Irish Cup game. So, this is going to be a major, major test now of Cliftonville and it'll go a long way to defining the rest of their season
0: yeah tie the round it's down on a grass pitch cliffinville mm. have been as we've said on this podcast beaten twice in the past week put it on actually have uh quite a number of premiership scalps along the way in their uh cup odysseys across whatever it is mid-ulster cup and uh the league cup um so like I I do think ultimately Cliftonville will be able to take care of this uh, slightly leaky putter down defense so I'm going to say 2-0 Cliftonville. I,
1: I I would have to go I would have to go for Cliftonville all things considered but I don't think it would be just quite a, quite a straightforward game. I'll go for uh, if you're asking for a prediction I'll maybe go for 3-1 for Cliftonville.
0: The big panic scenario for Cliftonville fans which I know they've already mapped out and they're having nightmares about is that the likes of a Glen Torn win this Irish Cup and it means that Cliftonville who might be sitting there in third have to go through all of uh, all of the stress of the European um, playoff. You know, that's, that's the thing. After... The whole year being pretty much a top three, looking great, should qualify for Europe that way. If they don't don't win this Ash Cup, and someone like Glen Torn does, all of a sudden they have to do it the hard way. And but like, you know this scenario maybe there's a shock outside of a a Lauren or a Limfield, but uh, yeah, um, I think we're probably gonna back the the Premiership team in all these situations. You know, yeah, uh, Lorne host Newington, or I guess they're always gonna host. Newington, I think it's technically a Newington there's home hosting, game at Inver Park. <laughs> uh, who, who gets the home dressing room? Um, uh, looks, so maybe it's a large game here. I mean, Newington were able to beat Newry. They were able to thump Porta down. I guess, is Rory Donnelly potentially cup-tied? I mean, despite all their flashes and uh, their really bright start to the season, I don't think there's a team in the country that would want to face against Lauren here. So I mean, nil nil half times a win for Newington. Uh,
1: there's no way, no way, Larn aren't winning that game. <laughs> I don't care how you dress it up, what way we try to argue it. I uh, just, to me, Larn are just much too professional, methodical. They just go and they just get the job done, and they move on to the next game. And that'll be, I think, the case on Saturday. Even it may not be spectacular. It may be a two 0 for example. Lauren 2-0, that's what I would maybe look at. But for them, it's just another day. It's another game. Get the win. Move on.
0: We're potentially looking at a, a season where Lauren goes and wins their second title in a row. I know they've had mm. great success in the country Anthem Shield, but I'm sure they would be keen to diversify uh, that trophy cabinet. And I mean, all those great Linfield teams that David Jeffrey led were winning the double. And they've invested so much in that squad. I'm sure as much trophies as they can muster, please, for that side as well. There is expectations on that side in this competition too.
1: Well, it sort of echoes what you said earlier about placing Larn in the pantheon of of great Irish league teams. Now, if they go and they do back-to-back premiership titles and then they throw in an Irish cup this year and do a double, then you're really in that conversation. Um, as you as you rightly said, Linfield for years were doing double after double after double. Maybe throwing in an old treble here as well, and then I think that's when a team becomes a great team. And I think privately within Larn, I would have no doubt that as a group they probably are looking to do that double this year to prove to people just how good they are, how good they are.
0: Can Ballyclare prove how good they are or can Glenthorne prove how dramatic <laughs> and how headline-raising they can be? Hey, Ballyclare. Um, they've done all right in the championship. They're able to muster their, their way up here um, off the back of a couple of results. I think Glenthorne have shown that they're not as susceptible to mucking it up against the bottom sides like they used to, I guess, in the league. I don't think they should do it here but I mean Darius Ruhi is a, is a tight little striker for, for Ballyclare and perhaps Stephen Small very experienced coach he'll be attempting to craft up a game plan and do one on Glen Torn. it's the same old story with Glen Torn in games like this especially at home score early and the panic's off 20 minutes to go and it's still 0-0 different story
1: out of all of those four ties that we're talking about between championship team and premiership teams that would be the one if I was looking in on it thinking where there is the slightest possibility of a, a, an upset happening because you know I don't know enough a lot about Balaclair but Stephen Small as you rightly said is a good manager and they've had achieved great results. Glenn Torn well, have been good this year, you all you sometimes you get the feeling that they can just miss a beat in some games and just throw in a real bad, bad performance. Although perhaps increasingly that's becoming less of a of an issue. I think Warren Feeney and the players have started there's a, a modicum of consistency in the performances now that maybe you could argue wasn't there earlier on the season. So you would expect Glen especially at the Oval, to 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 get through. And you know, they beat Newri hit Nury for eight there last week. Um so they know how to score goals, obviously with the firepower that they have. So what I'm saying, wouldn't be surprised to see Glenthorn win by five or six, and equally you wouldn't be surprised to see Ballyclare cause an upset. It's it's kinda of that kind of a game, if you th- if you know what I mean.
0: I think Glentorin are going to get through. But, I mean, Ballyclare was able to go to Dungannon and upset them. I think 1-1 goes (laughs) to penalties. Glentorin sneak their way out. There's my prediction that I haven't had a a great record with in recent weeks. Institute, Limfield, a definitely confusing one. I must say, like, you know, chatting to any, any art fans out there, they feel as though... They were apologised to for the situation in regards to uh, to their game with the Institute. We all know about eligibility issues in this league. And then after two reviews, um, it didn't go their way. They'll be irked by that. But uh, going going up to the well, uh no easy thing for any team. I just do not think Institute has the bodies to scare this Linfield team I I, th- I think Linfield are a much more impressive team from well from every aspect from skill ability fitness experience I, I think this should, should be on Sunday afternoon I think this will be uh Linfield's yeah
1: <clears throat> I was at the the previous round the Institute and um, arts game um on that particular day and it was funny we were we were leaving and the draw was being made, and, and, and I asked one of the institute guys, you know, who did you want in the draw? And he goes, Oh, Lin- Linfield away. And I goes, Well, sure, you'd be better getting them at home. And then, of course, we walked to the car, and the next thing I come on the radio in my car, and I seen the guy, and I goes, Oh, you got Linfield at home. And he, he, he didn't quite believe me. But um, I think I would probably echo everything that you said, uh, Peter, there. I just think. While it is a potential banana skin, I just feel that Linfield have enough about them. They have enough players in the right positions. They make it one or two back from injuries for the game, maybe give them a bit of a run out too. Um, I just think they'll have just a little bit too much firepower and, and too much know-how as much as anything. While Institute will give it a good game, they'll have a good support. Uh, they'll enjoy the occasion, obviously. Um, but I just I don't foresee a a shock there but it's just interesting it's like obviously a Sunday one o'clock start it's, it's a brave early start for Linfield actually when you when you look at it in, in, in terms of kickoff time one o'clock start what time you have to be leaving so I'm not saying that's going to have an impact on the result by any means but I'm just saying it's kind of unusual for the Irish League
0: You would like the record no. to show <laughs> what I'm
1: saying what I'm thinking it's unusual for the Irish League to have a one o'clock game on a Sunday other leagues Scotland has it England has it not often the Irish League have or the Irish Cup in this, uh, in this instance has a 1pm one, one, one kick off on a Sunday which is unusual and, and uh, that's to be noted doesn't it
0: there you go maybe Linfield will, will be up at the Bishop Gate Hotel yeah you never out know the night before in their tracksuits no better place um, yeah <laughs> still, still still on for Linfield <laughs> there so uh, that's the Irish Cup um, I'm looking forward to next week nice little double header all going well uh, a little bit of a League Cup special next week with both the Linfield side and, and the Portadown side represented but uh, obviously that's in the <laughs> far-flung future um, uh, we're now going to just uh, say a tally-ho up for this week uh, Damien I'm sure uh, the people listening to this uh, well, i have listened to all the podcasts here uh, in the kicking match side of uh, podcast land uh, including maybe if they want to catch up in the League of Ireland where I did a bit of a, a preview with uh, Kieran Burke who is a League of Ireland podcaster just in Very case good. you want to know a bit more about that league but I'm sure we talked about it at the start that we thinking what were those guys talking about at the start of the podcast about that thing about the Korean owner where can they find that podcast uh, from yourself as well as a whole array of interviews with uh, Korean players and uh, affiliates.
1: Yeah, funny. There was something come up recently just in our thing and, and, and our podcast, the, the Korean one's been going three years just this week or this month or something, uh, which is quite incredible when you think about it. That's, um, that's some going. Um Yeah, like all korean related and we have guests of all our descriptions uh get it in all the usual places and spotify and Anchor, etc etc and um, so if you just type in google in korean podcast i'm sure you will find it and we have um we have a wee guest lined up for tomorrow morning as well so we'll we'll find out all about him later in the week
0: excellent damien been a pleasure as always thank you very much peter pleasure thank you not going to lie, not quite sure how I pulled that out of the bag this week, Uh, it was very much a Fred Wickwood uh, performance for me if you get that reference, I'm dosed again, I'm sure you can hear it but we'll just leave that, I don't think there's any more time for frivolity before I go and uh, collapse my bed next door, thanks for checking me out again this week a fun episode this week should be another fun one next week of course if you're here at this point of the podcast I definitely think you should be a subscriber a follower of the podcast on your podcast platform be it Spotify maybe might be apple podcast just go to the home page of this podcast and a little wheel there a little button you can click and it means that you get the most up-to-date podcast you get a little notification to say once i've uploaded one of these you can also follow the podcast on instagram facebook and twitter till next time cheers